Do you want to start a thriving real estate career, but don't know where and how to start? Do you want to become a successful realtor or investor, but lack the required knowledge and skills? Gear yourself up with the best and actionable advice here on The Real Estate Rundown. Tune in as Shannon Robnett talks with industry veterans about all kinds of asset classes, market trends, challenges, management techniques, and success stories. Listen to informative discussions with valuable tips that will serve as the foundation for your incredible real estate venture. Now, here's your host, Shannon Robnett. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Real Estate Rundown. Uh, we are in season two still, and uh, I have got a fantastic opportunity today to interview a gentleman who started his first business as a teenager. Uh, he went on to sell his business to a little company you might know called Blackstone. So if that doesn't pique your interest about the knowledge that this guy's got, nothing will. Guys, check your pulse because you might be dead. But today's guest, guys, is Zane Jaffer. So good morning, Zane. How are you, man? I'm great. How are you? Well, I'm doing well. Thank you. So you're in prop tech and you're in San Francisco. What is it that you have been doing since this teenager moment when you started building this company? Tell us a little bit about that. Tell us where your journey is taking you now and tell us what excites you about prop tech and real estate. Yeah, so it looks like you want sort of the whole life story condensed in a few minutes, so I'll try. Absolutely. Okay. We my, don't my, ask for much around here. So my, my family originally came to the UK, as you can probably tell by my accent. So they were refugees. And I grew up in a quite a poor neighborhood and managed to stay out of trouble by spending my time playing video games and also coding websites and designing websites. So that was my first company. I ran a design agency, then I started building a bunch of websites, you know, virtual real estate, you can call it. Right. And through many, many, many failures, I eventually managed to get quite lucky when mobile apps became a thing. And of course, this is the time when everyone's like mobile apps are just this little annoying trend and then it's not going to last. And I, I figured out that you could put a lot of advertising on a mobile device and you could change the user experience and put videos on there and make it look pretty. And so that's the company that I built. Eventually was bought by Blackstone for 780 million. And all that time when I was running my company, for many years, I wasn't taking a salary. And I was seeing a lot of people listening to podcasts like this People making a lot of money in real estate with cash flow, leveraging up, taking advantage of all the tax benefits there are out there. I was so envious. I was like, man, I really want to do that. So when I sold my company, I, I wanted to learn more about real estate. And uh, that's how the journey began into PropTech. I started uh, investing in all types of real estate, single family rentals, multifamily, doing hard money lending on construction projects was a, an LP in numerous projects as a JV partner too on some occasions. And, you know, through COVID, I'd also made a bunch of investments, by the way, as an LP in funds as well, you know, like Bridge, RXR, Blackstone, Bluefield Capital too. And um, when I looked at my portfolio and I compared it to all the funds I'd invested in, I just thought to myself, why did I bother actively managing everything myself? These major funds are outperforming me. And there was some humility there. At the beginning, I, I didn't really want to invest too much in other funds because 
you know, you have to pay an acquisition fee and you have to pay carry and you have to pay management fees. And you just, you just feel that, no, I should do this myself. And then you realize <laughs> not as easy as it sounds. And although I, I made money in real estate, uh, that's what led me to join one of these funds uh, full time so I could learn more. So I ended up uh, joining Bluefield. Capital. Well, and you know, the thing that the thing that you say, though, you know, it, it's funny because everybody thinks that they can do it, right? I mean, you look at the guy that's doing the property management, and you go, man, this guy has a hard time tying his shoes, I could do that, right? And then you look at uh, the guy that's doing the acquisition, you go, man, this guy, I mean, this guy's not, I mean, this guy hides his own Easter eggs. I mean, he's not exactly a genius. But the thing that all of those things do is they're plugged into a network, they're plugged into a system, and they're multiplying their hours, you're multiplying your hours by hiring them. And I hear this often, but I think it, I think Zane, it has a lot to do with the fact that as entrepreneurs, we think we have to do it ourselves. We think we have to create the beast, right? Like you've done with, with your companies is you have to, if I don't build it, it won't be quite right, right? It'll be an ugly baby and it won't do what it's supposed to do. So I can obviously do it better. And I fall into that trap all the time. But I want to rewind a little bit here because you said something very early on and you just kind of rolled right over the top of it. But I think it's very key for my listeners. You said that after many, many failures and you said that and you didn't skip a beat. You didn't act ashamed. Why? And, and this is one thing that I find about super successful people like yourself, right? I mean, a $780 million sale for those of you that missed it is not a small number. But for people that get to that level, they have many, many failures, and they are okay with that. How did you deal with a lot of those setbacks that you were feeling? And, and, and I mean, did you ever feel like quitting, like throwing in the towel, like this is too stupid, I'm, it's never going to work? I mean, what was all of that like? And when did you really see that these failures are just refocusing my business to really get to the gold? Now, only now can I look at it with in hindsight. <laughs> the dots connect. I'm, I'm sorry. There's no, there's no like superpower here where I can say, as I went through the journey, it was all cool. I embraced failure and, you know, things were great. No, I was, it was schizophrenic, man. I mean, yeah. one day you think you're going to be king of the world and next day, you know, you're going to go bankrupt and you're going to have to get a normal job. Yeah. Um, so no, it was very hard. I took things way too personally. Um, and each failure really hurts your ego. And um, you're more determined to make it work next. And then you make a new set of mistakes. And then eventually you feel like you're making up for lost time. You know, after I felt like a decade of just constantly trying startups and failing at them or not, not really generating what I wanted to generate, suddenly you hit it big and then you're not, you're not dwelling on the success. You're hungry. You're like, man, I know it's going well now, but I've seen how this can end. And you're sort of waiting for the cliff. You're like, okay, right. the, the, the last thing I did, it, it didn't end as well, right? So I'm at a new scale. Now, now what can happen? The bigger you are, the bigger you fall. But right. no, I, I got quite lucky with timing, you know? Yeah. Uh, at least 50% of it was luck. Um, and now uh, after, you know, an exit and, uh, you know, having a good real estate portfolio with cash flow, I can sit here and, and humbly say, oh, yeah, after many, many failures, but going through that, no way, it kills you. Well, and thank you for your honesty, because, you know, all of us are looking for that, you know, and I remember when I was a kid, my dad gave me the baseball analogy, right? These guys that are making millions of dollars, they strike out two thirds of the time, yeah. right? Now, obviously, in the business world, you can't afford to strike out two thirds of the time, right? Um, you, you wouldn't still be in business, but 
the reality is, is it takes that tenacity. And if you don't show up, you're not going to get the opportunity, right? Well, even to build an analogy of two thirds, you know what? You only need to be lucky once or right once to have a life-changing outcome. And I think that, 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 that's just the way things are. And of course, I came from the tech world. I came from the startup land. I know there's a bunch of folks like me going into real estate and losing their shirts. But um, <laughs> but the sellers love you guys. The sellers, oh, they, they love oh, you guys. When they see the 650 or 415 area code, which is the Silicon Valley <laughs> code, prices are up 30, 40%. You know, yeah. Yeah. you sort of get them pause when you say, hey, I saw this was, uh, you know, I heard you're selling. Yeah. yeah, let me just get back to you on the price. Okay, yeah, here's the price. And like, they're probably talking to their business partner. Hey, it's, it's from Silicon Valley, let's try to milk it. You know? <laughs> but look, you only, you only need to be right once, and that's the nature of how technology works. Real yeah. estate's different. You can't just be right once. You have to be right on average most of the time. But right. in startup land, yeah, failure after failure, but you get lucky once, that's that you, you, you really hit it big. So what are, what are you looking at? What are you working on now? I mean, you, you said you're with Bluefin. Bluefield, although Bluefield's Bluefield. quite a cool name, you know. Um, yeah, a lot of sharks in real estate, so I appreciate that. <laughs> um, so uh, I joined Bluefield Capital because when I looked at their returns, I just couldn't stomach the fact that I'd been working so hard building my own real estate portfolio. I had hundreds of units, and their returns were, were crushing whatever I was doing. And I thought to myself, okay, let, let, let me try to figure out what they have. And I was like, wow, you guys have a lot of relationships with vendors you've worked with for years decades actually you know through the firm right you've got access to capital not just banks but also more equity capital to diversify you've got you, you just know also how to smell and see a property and know this is an opportunity so decided to join them and put a lot of money with them and as i'm buying real estate in bluefield by the way we own a lot of multi-family apartments which is our bread and butter we're also doing some ground up construction of things like townhomes we're in hotels we're in senior care homes, industrial facilities, student housing, pretty diversified portfolio throughout the US. Mm -hmm. um, that's when I realized, okay, these guys have done so well without really any technology. So let me bring my tech hat in and offer something to the team. Uh, and through that, we set up a venture capital fund where we're investing in startups and we're trying to use startups in our portfolio to get an edge. That's sort of our secret source. We own a lot of real estate. We realize that we can't all be Blackstone. We, don't, we can't go out and hire a bunch of engineers. So why don't we just partner with startups and use those startups to help boost our returns? And whilst we're at it, we'll invest in those startups too. So that's sort of uh, what I'm doing now with, you know, I buy real estate and I invest in startups that want to work with my real estate. You know, so that's kind of uh, the cash flow plus, uh, plus the juice uh, philosophy, you know. But the other thing that that is that I see is, is you know, you're also reaching back right? Reaching back to your roots, you're giving people the chance. I mean, how many times did you dance and sing for the, the venture capital guy trying to get some funding and how, you know, trying to get through your journey? Now you're actually seeing it from the other side and going, wow, I can use that technology. Not only can I help fund you, but I can use that and help perfect you and be a case yes. study for that. Yes. And my, the fellow VCs who, who laughed at me, of course, I was a dancing monkey, obviously, right? I mean, you have to do whatever you can. And I, I probably had 100 no's before I started to get a series of yeses. And then, damn, 
once those yeses start rolling in, you're the one saying no. <laughs> you're like, I right. had, can't, simply can't take any more capital. Suddenly you realize these investors need to deploy their capital. And that's true. Right. In every area. But going going back to the to the question or, or sort of the, the topic here, I tend to find that very few VCs understand how real estate works. Yes. Okay. There's Zillow, there's Airbnb, and there's, there's a few big outliers. But generally speaking, when they see an opportunity in real estate, they'll call up their broker, the broker who they bought a luxury, you know, mansion from, and they'll get the residential broker's perspective on, you know, this, this mortgage financing product uh, that's being pitched or, you know, a startup that's doing things in multifamily. So VCs don't, I, I tend to think that most VCs don't really get real estate unless right. they focus on real estate. Real estate is kind of hard to get actually. It's yeah. very nuanced and you can't just come in and, and you know, make assumptions. So that's, that's, I think, the advantage that we have. We own real estate. We understand it. And I think other VCs don't really get it as much unless they're prop tech focused. Well, and I think Zillow's just proved that, right? $500 million loss paying too much for houses because they wanted <laughs> to get in front of it, right? I mean, that sounds like Silicon Valley uh, with too much capital trying it out on the real estate world, yeah. right? Oh yeah, so, absolutely. You throw buzzwords out there like artificial intelligence and machine learning, and you know, eventually those multiples are going to hurt you if you can't keep up that growth. Yeah. Well, and and you know, the the other thing is, I mean, you you hit on something there too. The nuances of real estate. I mean, it, it, Chicago and Detroit are kind of close together, but the markets are totally different. Okay. Then you go into Chicago, and there's six or seven markets in there. You know, there's the bulletproof vest market. There's the luxury market. <laughs> you know. Uh, Sorry if you're from Chicago, it just the truth hurts, right? But, but you know, that's where we're at. And you have to know your areas, right? And, you, and then you have to know, you know, are you going for a luxury product? Are you going for a value add product? Are you in the A and B market? You, are you in the D trying to make a C, you know? And then there's the stuff that looked great on paper until you showed up, right? When you physically hit the site, you, Zane, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing by the laugh, you've actually done this, right? The broker goes, oh, Zane. You're going to love this. And you, sh you show up and there's no way you're even getting out of your car, right? And, and that's where you have to really know the difference where with prop tech or with, with technology, you don't necessarily need to visit the site, right? And I, I think you hit a point, which is having a focus. You mm -hmm. can't try to be a generalist all around. You need to build a niche. Otherwise, and, and by the way, you, you can be a generalist in a region. That's still being focused. But right. if you're just going to start spraying and praying, buying all over across different asset classes, like I was trying to do, you're never going to build expertise uh, right. and you're going to be competing against someone more focused. And if you want to go big scale, you're up against Blackstone, you're up against the huge private equity funds that can generate 6% IRRs for their, you know, or 6% cash and cash returns for their LPs. And that's it. They tick a box. You can't compete right. with them. Right. No. And it's so funny because, you know, oftentimes is if we're on the wrong side of, a deal. I found myself on a couple of those where I'm on the wrong side where, where, you know, uh, the venture capital is buying on the other side and I'm trying to compete with them. And I'm like, how do they do it? The seller's answer is very simple. I don't care, but they are right. And so here you are without the technology, without the know-how, without the market integrity and the depth that you develop as a real real estate person, how could you, how could you blend prop tech with that? So let's jump into, can, can, if you can, tell us about a project that you're working on that's blending that technology with what problems you guys are trying to solve over there at Bluefield. Yeah, so I'll, I'm going to choose a challenging example 
Um, some of the multifamily that I bought, we now rolled it into the Bluefield portfolio. We have a lot of, uh, we have all types of real estate. We also have some workforce housing, Section 8 style housing, which is really challenging. And look, there's all types of luxury products out there that can be sold to, you know, sky high rise buildings that are class A. But when it comes to mass market America workforce housing, that's a tough, tough thing to swallow. So uh, there's, there's a couple of products that we're, we're implementing in our portfolio. I can, I can talk about some of those. Security is a big concern, right? I, I've had properties where people have literally, you know, there's been shootings on properties or stabbings. It's, you know, the so, police. So you own in that bulletproof zip code. <laughs> exactly. Um, I'm out there next week, actually. Okay. Um, so I'll, I'll take that tip and buy some bulletproof uh, vests. But you know, the, the cops are tired of coming out to some of these properties because they're very tired and there's a lot of crime. And, and it's just, it's, it's, that's just part of the value add, you know, you have to clean the tenant base. So we looked at that and we realized, okay, these properties are going to be valued based on a multiple of NOI. Well, what are we supposed to do? Let this crime continue unfested? You can't. So you put cameras up there, uh, but that doesn't really prevent crime. You know, it's a deterrent to some degree, but then you've got to make sure you're monitoring that. So then we went out and we started getting quotes for a security uh, patrol. That is crazy expensive, right? We, 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 so one of these buildings, firms gave a quote, they came to visit, they were like, uh, 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 we need two people armed, right? And that's going to suddenly cost you, let's say, <laughs> no, seriously, one of the quotes, 10,000 a month. 10,000 wow. a month is going to kill your NOI, right? Yeah. And so we, we came across a really cool startup called Deep Sentinel. And it's basically a camera with a two-way audio. And they use artificial intelligence to recognize when something doesn't look right. And that gets alerted to a control center where live security guards are monitoring what's happening and will say, hey, excuse me, can I help you? The person who had bad intentions is suddenly like, where the hell is this voice coming from? They see the camera, it's flashing. And then the operator is saying, you're being recorded. This is a private property, can I help you? Wow. We're calling the police. That's 50 bucks a month per camera, $50 a month per camera versus hiring security guards who are going to eventually get lazy, hide in the corners, have predictable patterns. You don't want them 24 hours a day and ultimately your, your value is just going to be crushed, right? So that's an example of just killing it. If you can suddenly clean up the property and have a bunch of cameras that cost, I think they're like, you know, uh, four, 500 each. Okay. Yeah. One of cost, 50 bucks a month, being recorded 24 hours a day with AI, and a live security guard can be a witness to a crime and can call the police for you before something even happens. That to me is like just amazing. So we've implemented that. That's going really well. Um, another innovation that I think is really good is um, something we're, we're currently implementing. Um, so your average renter is poor. Okay. Yeah. Unlike a lot of True people. Statement. True statement. Uh, Right, $6,300 is the average net worth of an American renter. So when these renters wow. are, are paying their security deposits, that's a material amount of money locked up. And when you look at this class of people, and there's, there's, there's uh, you know, millions and millions of people taking payday loans, for example, the APRs on payday loans are outrageous. You know, we're talking you know, multi-hundred percent APRs. Right. So what this startup Roost does is it allows the tenant to make their security deposit and then they can borrow the money back. So if they've got five, 600 bucks locked up in a security deposit, they can borrow one third of it back and then just pay a monthly fee. And it's, you know, 
far, far lower rate. And they get to build credit as well. So that's allowing our renters to have liquidity when there's an emergency, because these, you know, renters get caught up in the vicious debt cycle. Yeah. And then they're just paying debt all the time. They're getting their credit blown and they have problems and then they can't make their rent. So I, I feel, you know, there's startups like that that are doing great things. Yeah. Uh, and what was the name of that second startup? Was it Roost? Roost, yeah. You can find yeah. it at joinroost.com. Started by a, a wonderful uh, entrepreneur. She's She lives in the Bay Area. She, she um, you know, herself was a renter for many, you know, years and grew up in that environment and uh, really resonated with the problem that there needs to be solutions that everyone can benefit from. So I'm, I'm quite passionate about the workforce housing, affordable housing area, you know, because it's hard and, and right. people don't want to do it. It's quite right. easy to run class A, class B. Um, and Google's right. great at that. And, you know, we also have some workforce class C that we've been doing. And I think we're figuring that out and technology can really be used there. Well, and, you know, the thing that I, I can definitely see is where, you know, you've now, you've come from the tech side, you've now waded through the waters of the real estate side. And now you're looking back at your tech friends going, guys, you need to help us over here. And, you know, but it's innovative things like that, that unless you had been involved with it, Zane, you probably wouldn't see and have the passion for this $50 a month security camera, right? But now, now it solves your $10,000 a month problem. And for uh, Deep Sentinel, having real world examples and having live uh, opportunities to work with people, not just in the prototype mode forever, they're actually out on projects that they can say, hey, these are, these are the NOIs that we've had happen. These are the things that we've done. This is the, this is the crime rate in the area about that. And, and then know that not only is it cleaning up your property, See, and this is the multiple streams of income, right? Not only is it cleaning up your property, but Deep Sentinel is becoming worth more and more as it cleans up your property, as it becomes worth more and more. So you're in a win-win situation, right? I mean, absolutely. And, you know, I, I would say real estate investors out there, they need to get a piece of like this, the, the, the startup uh you know, ecosystem. Uh, I feel like uh, it's hard to break into. Startups really want to access portfolios of real estate. If you're a real estate owner or a landlord, you've got access. You've got a lot of leverage. You yeah. can go to these startups and you can say, hey, give me a discount. You know, right. I, I can open up doors for you. I right. can open so many doors for you that I can become a major customer. So let me invest in you. And I, I really believe in diversification. A lot of real estate people have way too much money tied up. Actually, a lot of it's still on paper waiting to be refied out or sold. I appreciate <laughs> that. But, yes. but 100% real estate, so many people I know, that's not healthy. Uh, and look, real estate, I, I, I'm putting a lot of my net worth into real estate personally, Okay. But you've got to diversify and having something in your portfolio, like a startup that can improve what you currently do and has a chance to hundred X, right. you won't get that anywhere else. You no, know? no. And that's where, you know, you, we, we're seeing the world get smaller and smaller and smaller in that space because, you know, now you've got things that are happening that are speeding up. I mean, now you, you know, you, you've now solved a labor shortage problem. You've now solved a security issue. And you've now solved a, a, a multiple streams of income issue with one tech company, right? Exactly. I mean, now if you can get 100x on each one of those, well, then you can be lucky and good, Zane. I mean, you can you can continue to repeat this process, right? So, so when you look at stuff like that, where do you see where do you see this going? Are you seeing this as now 
you, you've got Bluefield, the, the prop tech divest, investment company that, that's growing as fast as, as Bluefield. I mean, we're seeing that cap rates are being compressed. We're seeing that product is becoming scarce. Are you seeing that maybe there's a lot yeah. more blue sky yeah. in, in that area? You know, I, I think this is what it comes down to, okay? We may, we've made 100 offers on real estate that have been rejected. And in every situation, we're paranoid. We're thinking, what is it that the other bidders know that we don't know about this property? And I'm a paranoid guy because that's what happens when you run a startup and also when you have buildings where, you know, there's, there's crazy things happening, right? right exactly. <laughs> so, um, you know what it really is? I've met so many, I've met personally so many of uh, the competition and I've asked them, how, how did you guys win that deal? And honestly, this is all it is. Well, you know, we had to make the numbers pencil out. You know, we had to make a couple of assumptions on the interest rate. We had to assume, you know, that the uh, cap rates would actually continue to compress and the average rent growth would continue to go up. And this is wrong. This is crazy that these assumptions, yes, pencil out on paper, but if the wall doesn't work the way that, you know, uh, this is exactly like 2006. This uh, is exactly what everybody was doing in 2006. And and it's going to happen. happen. It's going to continue. We're going to get 15% rent growth a year. Uh, and I then know. you get nine. Exactly. Nine is still phenomenal, but then all of a sudden you're off the cliff like Thelma and Louise. Absolutely. And, you know, you've, you've over leveraged, you've made too many assumptions on all the key variables that really matter. Um, and, you know, the analysts sometimes just need to make the deal pencil out. That's pretty much it. Play with the spreadsheets, make some assumptions, and there you go. And we're very, very prudent. We want to make sure, you know, that, that we can at least generate a 15% net IRR for our LPs. That's nearly impossible today in today's environment. Um, and then you've got larger funds coming in who, yeah. you know, are, are paying what they're paying and their cost of capital is far lower. So where PropTech comes in is that you realize, okay, can I implement some technology here to at least uh, improve a few, you know, percentage points on the IRR? Can we, can we cut costs? Can we increase revenue? Uh, and, you know, it's only, you, you've got it right now. It's not like there's one suite of solutions you can plug in. There's a lot of startups out there and we're having to test what works and what doesn't work, but that's the idea really. We yeah. own real estate. We're, we're, you know, we've been doing it for a while. We, we've, we've got well over a billion dollars worth of real estate now at Bluefield Capital. And uh, we're bringing in technology to try to juice the returns. It alone isn't going to make up for the crazy assumptions our competitors are making. Right. But hey, if you can squeeze more revenue and cut costs, that's your goal. You should do it. Yeah. Well, and you also want to know, you know, as you're having these conversations, you want to identify the analyst that's been living in his basement, playing with the spreadsheet enough that he's been able to make this thing work because you, don't, you want to make sure you don't hire him, you know? And, and that's one of the things that I'm seeing a lot, Zane, is that people are doing exactly that. Well, if we can get this, then we can make that happen. But that's not how this works. That's not the, the, the basis of sound money decisions. And, and some of these people haven't gone through multiple cycles, haven't seen when things hit the fan. And, you know, as not every day there's a new all-time high in the stock markets. Right. Every deal that you have your discipline on that you lose out on the next deal, you feel like, oh, you know, it's I gotta go harder. We start celebrating when we win a deal. I tend to panic when I win a deal because I'm like, okay, we won the deal. Why? Like, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but what did they see that we didn't? And now it goes in reverse. You know, you're starting reverse, to explain yeah. Elon Musk's tweets a lot here. The the, the <laughs> pro 
the technology guy, the, the manic swings back and forth. Now, you know, we're going bankrupt. Oh, wait, we're making a jillion dollars. And, <laughs> and you know, you, now I won the deal. I, I won the contract, but now I have to perform on it. And I hope we can. And I hope it's going to work, you know, but I, I love the 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 thought process that you guys are putting together. And, and this is where, you know, winners are helping other people win by bringing in the prop tech, helping that prop tech win, helping your tenants better, uh, have a better experience, helping your investors have a better return, all of those things working together. That's an unusual thought process, an unusual ecosystem with a company of your size. Typically, it's slit this guy's throat, bleed out this guy, crush the management, you know, step on the, the vendors, and then we can create enough money that our investors get a return and we can all buy Bentleys. <laughs> right? I mean, it is Silicon Valley after all. Wait a minute. You're not buying Bentleys over there. You're buying uh, uh, Priuses. Uh, yeah, or Teslas. Teslas. So, yeah. but... When you're doing this, you know, what is it that excites you? I mean, look, let's just be honest. You, you've painted a pretty clear picture that you don't have to get out of bed in the morning and go to work. It sounds to me like you're enjoying this, maybe in between the manic episodes, right? But, but, uh, but at the end of the day, what is it that gets you juiced up and gets you going out and gets you really looking at it going, Zane, we can make a difference. We can do this. This is why we're doing this. What is that secret for you? I I think myself growing up in a in a you know a neighborhood uh, or a poor family um, you know both my parents neither of them had an education very working class you know my dad like working illegally even you know as a, as like a, a car mechanic so that that I, I never saw him much growing up because he was always busting his back trying to fix cars so that taught me you need to work hard in life you can't just sit by and I also feel you know I. Hell, I, I won the birth lottery. You know, I, I, I at least was born in the UK and, and now I live in the US. Right. I have opportunities. There are approximately 7 billion people, right? And we'll, we'll round up the few hundred million that are in the US that are lucky. 7 billion people in the world who would die to be in the position that you and I are in. Right. Where, where we have opportunities. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm speaking from an American perspective here with the American dream. You can go and you can make things happen. And you know, with, with, with enough perseverance, you can do it. So I, I think I just love working hard. Um, and I, I feel guilty if I don't. Uh, and also what I do, I love, I love working with founders who are trying to make their dreams come true. You know, and you, and you put together so many things there that, that, that do make America what it is. And it's amazing to me also to see how many people squander that, you know, they don't understand the, the gift that they have. You almost want to buy them a round trip plane ticket, yes. but they're, they're stuck in, you know, a third world country, even a second world country yeah. where they see what happens for two weeks, right? It's yeah. not a carnival cruise boat. It's not, it's not an all-inclusive resort. It's get into, this is what the other uh, 99% of the world live in. And this is what you're throwing away, right? And to really see that, you know, I, I had somebody ask me the day, you ever going to retire? And I said, if it's not, if I, if I have to give up doing deals, if that's what you're calling being retired, no, I'll never retire because I do love putting the deal together. I do love crafting the deal. And I love seeing my dreams and the dreams of others come true. And I love being an integral part of that. And, you know, I, I, I really, it's not often Zane, and I, my hat is off to you because it's not often that somebody has the kind of success that you have that then turns around and looks at other founders and goes, how can I help you? And so, 
you know, congratulations on your success, number one. But I think more congratulatory is that you realize that you were given a gift. And part of what you're returning to others is giving that gift to others, helping others see what they may not see, helping them realize what they may not have realized without uh, an interaction with you, without an opportunity to work with you. But when you're looking at those kinds of things, what makes it a bad deal? I mean, we're talking about the, the two that work. What are some of the stuff you've seen that you look at and go, it's not so much what were you thinking, but why uh, this won't work? You know, and I want to answer that question touching both on real estate and startups because they are so different. And sometimes when you take one modality or pattern and apply it to the other area, you could, you could, you could really lose a lot of money. So I'll give you an example, right? I'm, I'm someone who's naturally very optimistic. And when you're investing in startups, you're really investing in the person. You're investing in their vision and what they want to right. do. If you take that mentality to real estate and you want to believe in the broker or you want to believe in the seller, you are going to get destroyed. So, you know, um, <laughs> this it, is a personal experience, correct? <laughs> oh, absolutely. In, in real estate, you know, you've got to look at the numbers and you've got to walk the unit and you've got to do deep due diligence. You can't do that with an early stage startup. Their, their right. finances are going to be all over the place. So in each case, you've got to decide what hat it is you're supposed to be wearing and look at the asset for what it is. So I think in startups, it's, it's the person, their integrity. Um, well, integrity is important everywhere, but there's a lack of yeah. it when you're dealing in real estate for sure, okay? But with startups, the vision and that, you know, they want to make a dent in the universe. With real estate, it's a lot more about the numbers and your experience and the local comparables and what you can do with the asset. Almost whatever the broker or seller is telling you, you have to discard it. If you're going to start working with their pro forma, you're in trouble. You really have to build up the, sometimes you have to build up the model yourself and walk the units. And, yeah. and you have to be a lot more conservative and verify every bit of detail that they, that they tell you. Yeah. You know, because it is, I mean, you know, with, with startups, you have the ability to tweak and move and, 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 you know, make assumptions and then make changes to those assumptions. You can't move your real estate. I mean, no, if, if you buy in the wrong neighborhood, you could be on the wrong side of the freeway. You could be on the wrong side of the tracks. It, it doesn't matter. Those tracks aren't moving and neither are you. And when the roof starts leaking, you've got to fix it. When there's, you know, right. things happening with tenants, you've got to deal with that. Uh, so right. it's for you to deal with that. Startups, you just, Startups, you just turn off the lights, take the snacks, and turn off the website, right? I mean, it's it's pretty simple, right? You take, and, take and, the and, ping pong and, table. Yeah, yeah and, and pivot, obviously, right? Otherwise, I'm going to see money again if they, <laughs> yeah. they run off. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yes, exactly. with startups, there's the chance to be nimble. But look, there is a massive trend right now. It's it's quite, in my view at least, if you make enough bets in prop tech, um, you can make pretty good money because there's a wave of innovation happening in real estate, and it's caused yeah. by what we're talking about right now. Things are changing. COVID has impacted everything. Uh, I feel, things feel quite frothy right now. If you can bring in tech and, and implement it to increase your NOI, you're going to do well. So if a startup is actually doing that, investing in that startup makes sense because yeah. they're getting a lot of adoption because it's a rational pitch. You're not building a Facebook, you know, right. where you're hoping consumers are going to come and like your website. A lot of the things I invest in are things that are, are selling to the real estate industry. It's a pretty rational proposition. It, you know, there needs to be a very clear ROI when you spend, you can spend $50 a month on a camera if you're saving 10,000 a month, right? Easily. Right. Well, you know, and Brian Buffini, who is a, who is a uh, massive, massive uh, real estate coach, you know, one of the things that he said that always stuck with me was if you want to make a million or if you want to make a trillion dollars in real estate, sell <laughs> something to realtors, Right. Uh, it, come up with come up with a gimmick that realtors want because 
everybody's looking for that, but they're looking for the edge, right? And there's a difference between the perceived edge, right? And, and the real edge that, that, you know, you can't, you're never going to find. And as we saw Zillow did, you know, Zillow was buying uh, properties all over a certain area that were in very different demographic areas in the internal workings of the city that, that cost them a half a billion dollars, right? Uh, that's no small feat to lose that much money that quickly. It takes a technology company to lose that kind of money, right? That fast, right? It, it, but, it does. But look, on the other hand, people are saying Open Door might be the next Amazon of, you know, housing. So right. your, 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 your wages, you know, you lose, you lose half a billion or whatever, but we're talking about an opportunity with trillions of dollars. I do think technology will come in. I do think technology is going to crush so many of the, uh, you know, current participants in the real estate sector who yeah. don't have the data, who don't have the platform advantage, but it's going to take time. It's going yeah. to take time. Well, and that's where, and that's where, so how do you see someone that's on the other side of this that can't afford the tech, that can't afford, uh, isn't making the moves that Bluefield is making? You know, somebody think, that's, yes. Oh, how do you think they position? 100%. I mean, look at every line item uh, on your expenses. And there's probably a prop tech solution out there that can help you minimize it, whether it's your laundry or whether it's, you know, your, your plumbing or your, your, your HVAC. There's vendors out there that have innovative solutions and they're dying to get customers. What so I, I hear you saying, Zane, is that you're going to do a prop tech and real estate uh, trade show. Right. That's what that's what it sounded like to me. Right. I mean, bring it all You're together. Gonna make me say that it's we both of us. <laughs> I'm with it, man. I'd be more than happy to do that because, you know, when you really could bring those two together where you yeah. could bring it into an environment where you could look at real world solutions. It would be amazing. Right. And look, I'll tell you a secret, too. OK, when you are building your company, that first client or that first 10, 20 clients mean everything for you. If you can be the real estate you know, landlord who finds a startup and you can make them, uh, you become their customer. They'll stretch above and beyond to make you happy. They'll, they'll brainstorm with you. They'll help you figure out, hey, how do we get more money from tenants? How, how do we make sure you don't pay as much commission? How do we make sure you get more deal flow? So partnering with startups is the answer, I think, for anyone in real estate. Yeah. I think that's sort of the key message I want to bring is uh, real estate industry, wake up. There's a lot of money you're leaving on the table. And for too long, it's been easy money. The theory has been, don't fix it if it ain't broken. Well, things are broken now. Eventually, yeah. I do feel this bubble will burst. Things can't keep going up and up and up forever. So you need to you need to figure out your fundamentals. And I think tech can help you that. Well, and the other thing is, you know, you're, you're now to the place where, you know, 2015, you could trip over nickels and still make money, right? You could trip over, you know, $25, $35 a month. Now with what people are paying and how competitive the market is, I understand vacancies are low, but you've got to squeeze every $2 out of each unit. And the easiest way to do that is to bring in technology, eliminate the manpower that's involved so that you could then have a better return that allows you to invest in more real estate. It becomes that cycle, but then you're creating a better environment, a better uh living solution for the majority of the renters out there. Uh, exactly. And, you know, you've got, you've got potentially access to a lot of valuable data. You should be doing things with that data. You know, you've got that rent roll. There's a lot of powerful things you can do with that. You can start to model when people are going to leave. You can start to offer them special rates. Um, you, you know, you don't have to give as many concessions away because every time you give a concession away, that's one month's free rent you're giving away. That's right. a lot ultimately. Um, so yeah, there's, and especially there's, where you do that in your finance cycle, if you're doing concessions right before you're refinancing, the bank's looking at that going, oh, yeah, yeah that hurts a lot. 
Yeah, there's a there's one company, a really cool company called Steak, uh, but not not like steak that you eat. S T A K E Steak dot rent. Really cool. What they do is they give tenants cash back as long as tenants pay their rent on time. So you're giving financial incentives to your tenants to pay their rent on time. And now you can also give financial incentives to do things like change the HVAC filter. Rather than spending sure. 150 bucks or whatever to have a maintenance tech come out, give 30, 40 bucks to your tenant. And that's also going to cut your costs and they'll care more about your property. Uh, if, if they live in the property for a year, you know, and you were going to do CapEx anyway, let them choose the fridge they want through the app or, you know, the new stovetop or, or give them something. So wow. like that can really make a difference. Um, and I think that's, that's, Especially that's what as, as we see, you know, with, with inflation, people are becoming more and more of a renter society. You know, we're having people stay longer. We're having them and turnover sucks. Turnover hurts your business, right? If you can get the same juiced returns out of the same tenant without having to move it, move them out, have that 20 days of vacancy. Those are, those are phenomenal things for your bottom line. So gosh, you guys, you saying you have hit us with some um, amazing information, guys, if you didn't catch this, rewind this there's a ton of information in here i'm gonna put his phone number in no i'm not i'm kidding uh, <laughs> i'll just divert it to yours so I'm, I'm yeah five 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 one two <laughs> but uh you know zane i really appreciate you being on the show today guys if you guys haven't figured out the amount of information that's in this show uh go to the doctor get a cat scan you probably don't even have a brain because there's so much information in what's come out of this and i just really appreciate you for for being on the show with us zane shannon thank you for having me i love the podcast and what you're doing so guys if you would tune into the real estate rundown if this is your first time uh like subscribe uh hit that little bell so that you can get more uh you'll know when we drop new episodes like us on spotify or itunes or wherever you get your podcast, so you can get the automatic updates. You'll find us on Instagram and YouTube. Leave us a review. And if you love what we're doing, we'd love to hear from you and give us feedback. If you've got questions or comments, feel free to reach out with those as well. Guys, thank you for joining us. And Zane, thanks again for being on the Real Estate Rundown. Thanks. That's a wrap for today's episode of the Real Estate Rundown. Let these newfound strategies pave the way to start a successful career or a profound rebranding. If you loved everything you have heard, listen to more conversations at www.shannonrobnett.com and be sure to leave a rating, share it with your friends, and subscribe. Until the next episode. Amen.